Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jay Harvey. Happy New Year, Jay. Happy New Year, Jim. Pleasure to be here. We're always glad to see you, and I'm especially glad to see you right now because what we're talking about on Viewpoint as this new year dawns is something I know that you have dived into. You really have some passion about this subject. I do. We're talking about human DNA, right? the way in which we're hardwired, mm-hmm. and maybe ways in which we're not hardwired. And what are the implications of the present craze to get a DNA test and to figure out our backgrounds and sometimes by looking at our backgrounds and physicality, we think we have some sense of our destiny. And there's so much wrapped up in this. These weeks as the new year dawns on Viewpoint, we're talking about the implications of science. Are we hardwired in this new study of genetics or do we have room to maneuver or somewhere in between. What's going on? And Jay, I know you're into it. Yes. So am I, and we're so glad that you've joined us alongside with Viewpoint. Happy New Year to everyone listening as we are in January of this uh, new year. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Now, Jay, we've talked already about taking a DNA test, and right. you know that I've dived in already. That's true. You know, over the last couple of weeks, you and I have been talking about it, and you keep telling me, yes. I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to do it. Have you done it? I've taken some time to decide which one, but yes, I'm starting that process. I haven't done it yet. You are ahead of oh, me in that, oh. but so. That I'm, was that was such a weasel answer. <laughs> yes, Jim, I've done some homework, but bottom yeah. line, you haven't done it yet. That's true. I haven't done it yet, but uh, it's taken me a while because it, when I grew up in my house, DNA meant do not ask, like for the car or for any money. So I, I, it's new to me. But but I by the next time we get together, I promise, I well, will have had my spit you know in some type of receptacle. This is not necessarily a moral imperative, but I just want you to do it because I know you're going to get right. so much uh, buzz excited. out of it. Right. But you just gave it away Sorry. Uh, with some spit in a receptacle. Right. So what happens is you can sign up with a any number of companies. I use 23andMe, but there's also Ancestry.com. There's a family, a tree. And I mean, these are all good, credible outcomes. I chose 23andMe because I had some other family members who had already been there. And what you do is you have to give a DNA sample, and that's generally saliva, or to just say it rudely, spit. You (laughs) spit into a vial, send it to the lab. In a couple weeks, they send you back a report. You can check some boxes off. Do you want continuing reports, or you just want to do the first pass because the science of genetics examining DNA is rapidly expanding. I mean, every week there's new expansion of knowledge on this front. So some people have called this an immature science because it's just starting out really since we've been able to map the human genome. But I check the box saying I want continuing feedback. In other words, my DNA sample is still being analyzed as new advances are made in the study of understanding DNA. I originally got a report back that just told me what I already know, but it was kind of cool to confirm. I'm 97% Irish. No surprise there because my parents, my birth parents, are both Irish citizens Mm -hmm. who grew up in Ireland and so on, so no surprise there. 3% Scandinavian, no surprise about that either because, well, the Vikings a thousand years ago invaded Ireland and they were doing a lot of pillaging and burning down buildings and raping too, and so (laughs) I guess I got some of that strain. Right. That's known to me, but it's confirmed in a kind of hard science way. Fascinating. They also gave me some tips about my physical being that I know are true, but it's amazing to think that it's hardwired. So, for instance, I got a report that said that I would never develop a bald spot on the top of my head. Oh, great. But I would have thinning 
on the top of my head. Ah. And that would begin in my 40s. Well, I'm in my 60s now. I should have taken this test a long time ago, but they didn't have the technology right. then. But it's exactly what they predicted. Wow. They didn't have a picture of me, but the DNA from that little vial of spit mm-hmm. was able to predict my hair pattern. Wow. Exactly. My eye color, the shape of my earlobes, actually even the length of my legs. There's all kinds of things that have been disclosed through this analysis. But wait, so the outward form is being described by my DNA. Is there something inside my persona, my temperament? How does that work? This is part of the science of genetics that's still underway, and the jury is out a bit. But when you take the whole package, we know that our chromosomes, our cells, each cell of our bodies has a kind of pattern. It has a, a communication strain, which we call DNA, that is defining who we are in many important ways. And does that have any real implications? Is it just the stuff of, of table talk over a family dinner? Or does it actually imply some things about what I can change and what I cannot change? Mm. What does it say about society and the way in which we function and relate to one another? Are there things I should relate to Jay Harvey on based on DNA? Mm-hmm. Or should I step out of that a little bit and, and have a, a more original sense of who you are, Jay Harvey, for right. instance, instead of drawing some conclusions based on what I see exactly. uh, genetically? Mm-hmm. All of that has so much power. Well, I'm encouraging you, Jay, get into the stream and send in your vial of spit. I will. I, I will. Because I know you're going to find something out about it, about yourself. That's right. But... We also have some things, even in history, that can inform us. What's happening with this new science is it's actually, I think, affirming some truths that were declared a long time ago, before we even understood this science. And now science is authenticating mm-hmm. what has been said with wisdom centuries ago. We're so glad that you've joined us today on Viewpoint. We want you to know we're always glad to hear from you and that we have a toll-free number that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do you have a comment? Do you have a question? Do you want to just touch base? We're here for you. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're by the phone, a live member of our team. I'll give you the number again at the close of our broadcast, but just know. We're always glad to hear from you. 20 centuries ago, Jay, there was a guy named Paul. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we call him the Apostle Paul. And uh, he was a very smart guy, a persuasive a debater, someone who knew how to present ideas in a way that could be understood and actually move people to new conclusions. Mm-hmm. And he famously went to the city of Athens in the ancient world, one of the great centers of learning and culture. And he went there to speak with the Athenian elite Uh, at the Acropolis, just at the foot of the Acropolis in Athens. And when I say that term, most people can visualize there's this kind of mountain in the city of Athens that has a flat top, and on top of that are some ancient temples. It's an iconic image that stood the test of time. All Greek city-states had an Acropolis, the Acropolis, polis in the Greek language for city, the Acro, the elevated space. This Acropolis had sacred temples of the religion of the day. And just next to the Acropolis of Athens today, as in ancient time, is another mountain called Mars Hill. Mm -hmm. And 
In the ancient world, Athenians would gather at Mars Hill in the shadow of the Acropolis to talk about ideas, to talk about religion, to philosophy, politics, the economy, everything. It was the place where people with brains and capacity to articulate and those with ears and who wanted to listen, they all gathered day by day in an age before cable television to exchange ideas. And the Apostle Paul went there. He sat down with some of the brightest minds of the age gathered in Athens, and he made some astounding observations. These are recorded for us in the New Testament in Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 22. And Jay, I know you've got that open in front of you. I do. I'm going to ask you to give us there what Paul was talking about. The scripture opens this way. It says, so Paul, standing before the council, that's the people at Mars Hill, addressed them as follows. What did he say? He said, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Whoa, whoa, stop. (laughs) I just have to restate that last Uh, line. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. So Paul is talking about a creator God, not made with human hands, who is the author of everything that we can see and touch and feel. And furthermore, he's asserting that all the nations— This is another way of saying all the races, all the ethnicities, all the cultures, all of it was formed from a single root by this sovereign God. I mean, it's an astounding Mm. comment made 20 centuries ago and still today, but that's what it says, right? That's exactly what it says. And then what does he say? He goes on to say, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Wow. I mean, it's it's just a wow. It's very (laughs) clear. It's just a wow. Yes. No matter what you think about Christianity, no matter what you think about the Bible, no matter what you think about that guy named Paul, you have to acknowledge he had a way of putting ideas together persuasively and as a challenge, a dare, for us to rethink the way we see the world. When we come back, Jay, let's unpack some of that Mm -hmm. and bring it into line with what our DNA is telling us. Or maybe better said, we will find that DNA is bringing this word into line. There's There's a congruity between science and the teaching of Paul. Stay with us. I try to fit you in the walls inside my mind I try to keep you safely in between the lines 
Apostle Paul has asserted that all people, no matter what their color, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter what their culture, no matter what the shape of their face, whether they're tall or short or skinny or broad, it doesn't matter. He's saying that all people, humanity, are descended from a single man made by God. And think of the implications of that. Now let's go back to our DNA. Right. So when I sent my sample in for... DNA testing at 23andMe, this kind of commercial enterprise is really drilling down into what's called nuclear DNA. And this includes those physical characteristics that define me. And honestly, if you were to read my DNA report, you could peg me pretty well, even if you had not seen me before, because I have certain characteristics. I'm your quintessential Irish guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I said Irishman, what do you imagine? I have fair hair. I have fair skin. I get sunburned really easy. I've got blue eyes. I mean, there are so many things that are kind of stereotypical of what we think. But honestly, while those are genetically driven they are kind of superficial. In nuclear DNA, they are the kind of uh, 
the low-hanging fruit. That's, right, right. that's easy to unpack and understand. But there's another sequencing in DNA that's even deeper and more core to our being. This is called mitochondrial DNA. Ah. Mitochondrial goes beneath the nuclear DNA, you might say, to the core of every cell in our being. Mitochondria is that part of our structure, this, this code that helps make us or define us. And it's the energy of every cell comes into this mitochondria. And what's so astonishing is when you get down to this basic building block of every human cell, the mitochondria is 99.9% the same across all humanity. So whether you were of Asian descent or European descent or African descent, wherever you are, whatever you imagine yourself to be looking in a mirror or by your birth history or the culture that raised you, you share in common almost 100% of the core of your human cell. Okay, Jim, the same. That, that what you just said has some tremendous implications then about how we see others, maybe how we've been brought up, and what to think about others who don't look like us. That right there is just a bombshell. It's astounding. Yes. Because we have grown up thinking that by the visual frame, we might make some judgments about someone else. Right. When in fact... The visual frame, even the shape of my face or my height and so on and so forth, these are things that are superficial. They're like clothing. They're, they're like the physical clothing of our bodies, but they don't actually disclose my native being. That is in this deep reach of your DNA in your mitochondria. Think about this in terms of a genetic studies. So we know that we could do studies on twins, and this has been going on for decades. Uh, fraternal twins share 50% of their DNA with one another. That makes them way ahead of just ordinary siblings because they share half of their DNA as a replica. But wait a minute, identical twins are 100% the same. So identical twins are identical, and they may grow and learn to dress differently or have different gestures, you might say, but, but they're still identical. Their DNA is 100% the same. So lots of studies take place with siblings of this kind. And then you have regular siblings who are not twins or, or parts of multiple births. And so that's a different category of experience. And so you can study, uh, you might say, children born singly. You can study fraternal twins. You can study identical twins. And you can draw some conclusions about how temperament and physique are determined by DNA. Ah, oh, but think about this. I'm an adoptive person. Mm -hmm. So that means I've been raised by a family that has no blood relationship to me. That's how I used to describe it until now. Meaning that the people who adopted me, they have some similar features as I do. They look a lot like me because they're also of European descent. But I would say they have no blood relationship to me. So when you're analyzing my life story, my temperament and so on, is it a reflection of my environment because they raised me up a certain way? Or is there a DNA wiring? I mean, that makes my case study a little different than somebody who grows up in a house with blood relatives. But what's happening now with this advance in DNA and genetic science is that families who are adopting are doing DNA tests with their adopted children who have no blood relationship to them. And it's even more dramatic when we have transnational adoptions these days, where you might have a family of European descent adopting a child of Asian descent, or a family of African descent adopting a child of Indian descent, or, or whatever. And so you have these 
different mixes of ethnicities, which on the surface look profoundly different. But what's happening in the GNA testing is no. So a family of parents of European descent may adopt some children from Asia who look at first blush somewhat different. Right. But when they get into their DNA, actually it's mm. the same family, <laughs> the same point. Those children born in Asia have this core being that are the same, and the parents are able to say to their kids, and the kids are able to own and, and, and celebrate, we are one family. Right, right. I'm, I'm not the oddball here. Right. No, we're connected. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have dressed differently doesn't mean that I am that different. Right. We are part of one family. Now think about the social implications in a world where race mm. and ethnicity are so much in the headlines. Wow. Mm. Think about all the judgments that have been made. Right. Mm -hmm. We can celebrate the diversity of cultures, just like I can celebrate the diversity of fashion. I can be glad that somebody likes bright colors and someone else prefers pastels and someone else likes earth tones in the clothing they choose. There's, There's a wonder about all that. But I can never deny that we are all the same family. Right. No matter how we're dressed physically or actually by the clothing we choose. Mm. This passage of Paul says everybody was made by God. And the scripture from which he draws that truth earlier before Paul in Genesis says we were made in the image of God. In the whole of creation, only humanity is made in the image of God. Right. Now think about all those passages in the scripture we know. We have one Father in heaven. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. One Father who's made all of us and we all bear his imprint. And that's proven true now even in the science of genetics. Right. Or how about this? You and I are sometimes, we could poetically say we're brothers, even though you and I grew up in different households in different parts of the country and have no blood relations so far as we know. But Mm -hmm. wait a minute, Jay, you really are my brother. Mm -hmm. But so are those who are in Asia and in Africa and Latin America and all around the world, that we're one family. This is not just poetry. Mm -hmm. It's science. Mm -hmm. I have so much more in common with my family than I do with my pets. I actually have more in common with men of different color and hue than Mm -hmm. I do with women who share my same complexion. Right. Because that gender share is deeper than my ethnic share. At so many levels, this is such an important truth. And Paul is asserting not only that God has created all of us uniquely and that he gives life to all of us uniquely, but he has a destiny. There is a purpose. His purpose was that we should seek our maker, right. that we should seek our father, and that it's God's design to take this world, which has been so sadly broken, and bring it all back together and close this chapter by making it all fresh and new, and he's going to do it at a day of judgment when everything's going to be judged and the world will be set right new, and the guy who's going to do the judging, he's brought into this world who has some DNA, that's the subject of another program. That's right. And that guy was raised from the dead. That's what Paul says. We know that he's the judge because he's the only one who's been raised from the dead. God's proved he's the guy who's going to make it all come together for the good, and we know that man is Jesus. Yes. Wow. So clear. Here we are at the dawn of a new year. We're not sure who you are or where you are. We're not sure what you look like. But if you're listening to this broadcast, we know you are our brother or sister. We are part of the same family with one maker who loves us each the same. And as he loves us each the same, he is calling us at the dawn of this year to come to him. That we might be ready for that day 
when everything is set right. You can do it. You can today change the way you relate to your maker and to the world around you, to the people around you, no matter how you've been raised or what you've thought. You can start loving. You can be loved, and you can be made new. How? You just have to surrender your life into the one who is going to judge the world, the one who has been proven to be supreme by the way he was raised from the dead. His name is Jesus. Mm. How do you do that? Pray with us. Start right now. Our Father, we're so thankful for a new year that you've allowed us to live to see a new one. We're so thankful for the witness of history and the Apostle Paul, 20 centuries on, proved true by science today. We're thankful that you have made us human, that we, Lord, are the zenith of your creation, and all of us, Lord, have the capacity and the responsibility and and the wonder of being made in your image. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you have known us and called us and Even now, you know us by name. And I pray, Lord, that we will surrender our lives into your hands. We admit that we're broken and that we're flawed and that we have done wrong and there's no way we can make it right by ourselves. But in that admission, we also acknowledge that you have sent your son into this world to make things right, to pay the price for our wrongdoing, to set us up and to create in us new life that is as you designed it and intended it to be. Lord, we want to worship you, a God not made by human hands and not the product of human invention. We pray, Lord, that you will receive us now. And for everyone who joins us in this prayer, I pray that this week they will see a gesture from heaven that will reassure them that you are now receiving them as one of your own family. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. What to do next? Give us a call and let us talk to you. And let us help you navigate to the next step. I promise you God is in this. Dial our number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone. We want to talk to you. I promise you God is in the conversation. Jay, I know that some people may be reluctant to just pick up a phone, but they can go online also. What's our web address? Yes, they can. That's www cbhviewpoint.org That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope That's who we are cbhviewpoint.org You can read about the ministry there You can also send us an email We will reply Or at the last, just send me a letter Use the post office Address it to Jim Lyon Viewpoint Post Office Box 2420 Anderson, Indiana 46018 USA But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. We want you to know that there are other ways you can connect to us. And this June, in June of 2019 in Orlando, Florida, the CBH family is coming together and we're going to have a great convention together with the larger family that hosts this broadcast called The Church of God, based in Anderson, Indiana. And we would love to have you join us. Go to our website, cbhviewpoint.org, and link there to the Orlando Convention. We love to see you then. Jay Harvey, always glad to be with you. Thanks for coming alongside. Thank you for having me, and I can't wait to get this started for myself. You're on the way. I'm and on the way. And for all of you who joined us, we're so glad you came alongside too. We hope you'll be with us again next week because we're going to talk about one more piece of this science of DNA and about our temperament and personality next week. Join us. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Happy New Year. 
and stay tuned.